1: All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sing Second Sports Podcast. On this pod two of Army Week, we've just got another star-studded uh, uh, lineup of interviews for you and kicking us off. Why not start off with water polo? You know, a lot of people call it the best sport uh, at the Naval Academy. I was just watching the national title match between Cal and USC the other day. A lot of hairy dudes in very small bathing suits throwing a ball around in the water, Jason. And you know what? When I think about that level of athleticism, I think of you. So ladies and gentlemen, class of 94, water polo star, former SWO, former PAO, and retiring from the Navy here in an eye blink, Jason Salata. Jason, thank you for coming back on the Sing Second Sports Podcast. The last time we had you on, we had your well coiffed brother stevie uh pride of the class in 97 so we're happy to have you back on catch us up with what you're up to because a glorious 30 year navy career is about to come to an end
2: yep actually uh well first thank you very much for having me back uh next i i think that um the visions that you're getting when you when you think of uh water polo like it it's it's a lot it's a lot a lot less body hair these days you know a lot less body hair when you uh, when you look at the uh, the athletes these days I don't know if it's just better grooming standards better equipment uh, for grooming but yeah they definitely were not as swarthy as we were um, some 30 years ago um, yeah I'm super excited like I am actually retired so December first uh, was my retirement date. And um, I will be looking forward to celebrating with some friends at the Army-Navy game uh, while we watch Navy beat Army this weekend. Aside from that, um, I've, I've really stepped out of the Navy and into a whole bunch of, of, of great things. Um, and right away, um, getting a chance to work with some, some great colleagues uh, in the public affairs world that I worked with in uniform, we are all back together again. Um, doing this doing greater things
1: outside of the navy. Just in case the listeners are wondering that means me and our producer Chris Cervello but I don't know why Jason is talking in code we're going to break him down from his official uh captain attired ways here and get him back to that old midshipman saluted uh pride uh that he used to have so Jason number one yeah, you, know, you you went on, um, you know, from graduating from the Naval Academy, survived as a SWO, even living with water polo coach Louis Nicolau for a short period of time, um, and going on, you know, to become a flag aide for the Navy Chief of Information, to hold the very highest and, and most important jobs in the Navy public affairs community for combatant commands and Special Operations Command, and so forth. How have you channeled that corporate knowledge, particularly on the SWO side? Um, you know, in into doing more to engage with with you know the Navy now that you're out, you know, and specifically would love to talk about basically the sexiest name out there, I Drive Warships.
2: Well, you you've got it right on the head, man. It's it's all about buy-in. My my entire career. Uh, as even, even before I was a spokesman uh, for the Navy, my entire career was always hinging on what I could do to get the people around me to be as interested in what we were doing as we possibly could be. And I think that, that, that started early as a, you get that when you play sports at a, at a high level. It's all a t- the team approach to things. But like, as I took that through the academy and then out into the fleet, um, I saw a lot of that on my first ship as a SWO. I saw a lot of that when I went off. Uh, I actually spent time with the Marines as a, in something called the Anglico, the Air Naval Gunfire Liaison Company, which uh, died and then came back again. But I, I've always saw the like that, that generation of buy-in going forward as a prime, prime, prime thing. And it's really been the one constant thread my entire career. Going to I-Drive warships. At about the midpoint of my career, around 2010, I was the spokesman for the the surface force, right? So here in Coronado, California, I went to my boss and I said, look, the SWOs need, surface warfare officers, they need a slogan. Like the SWOs need a rally cry. Uh, Let's say that the aviators have fly Navy. I was like, you guys should use something like I drive warships. And that was it. My thing was I drive warships. And at the time, the leadership, um, I think they thought it was interesting, but they weren't going for it. So of course, when they weren't happy with it, I said, "Okay, awesome." And I walked out of their office and I trademarked iDrive warships. I bought up all the, the websites and URLs and social media, and I've kept it because my view is that that is the core of what what our surface Navy does, and yes, a slogan's not necessarily the one formative thing for our hundreds and hundreds of years of surface Navy tradition that dates back to the foundation of our Navy, but it could be a catalyst for buy-in. And so that's one of the things that we're doing. We've, we've launched and relaunched that uh, logo and that website, and we're doing all kinds of things and look forward to be doing some campaigns where, we'll, where we're we going to weave in iDrive warships to all types of, of things. Some, like I said, catalyst. Uh, for buy-in within the surface force. And that's just a passion project, but I would love to see that continue to grow.
1: <laughs> for some reason, Lieutenant Schofield's old SWO doesn't suck, you suck campaign didn't have the stick that I thought it would. But still, you know, it, we're, we're trying to get out of the thought process that all being a SWO is, is like stabbing and killing your young. And I'm waiting on the ship until 1900 because I have to route this CASRA rep and Oh, I'm getting dumped with the wardroom mess custodian, collateral duty. When really driving warships is at the very core um, of what SWOs do. And I'm very proud to be a former SWO. I know you know some of our guests today, including Chris Nerthen, were proud to be a SWO. Um, I'm sure WAGs, if he was a surface warfare officer, would be a fine SWO. That is WAGS would have been an amazing SWO. (laughs)
3: Jason. I would not be a good officer or even a low level grunt on any ship or trust me.
2: I, I, I would, I, I'll go with your own, I mean, your own self-awareness is great, but like, I, I absolutely think you'd be fantastic, but, but John, back to this like discussion about, you know, the surface community and it, this really reflects, like, I know a ton of leaders in the surface community now and have for many years, some retired, some on their way, uh, some still in the trenches going forward. And the quality of officers that we have, the quality of sailors that we have on ships, the quality of material and um, forward-looking projects for our surface fleet are all so exciting and so interesting to talk about that we can't let a history of self-loathing hold them back, you know? Uh, we We can't let things like you know, these rumors and stuff about people eating their young. I, I mean, that's just not, you could look at that in any community. And I think that the SWOs deserve, they deserve more than that. And so that's something that I, again, a passion project of mine that I really hope to continue to work forward. And I love the fact that you asked me about it today.
1: Well, we're going to continue to share, um, you know, all sorts of information about I Drive Warships as we go forward. Um, you know, second to last question from me, Jason, you know, we, we make fun of the fact that, uh, that you played water polo and you you and your brother were both standout, uh, water polo players and you've remained connected despite the fact you've had a very high op tempo as a career Naval officer. You've stayed connected with the team. This is a team that played number one Cal earlier this year. They lost to Cal who eventually just a couple of days ago, won the national title, what would you have to say to athletes out there, whether they're football players like Chris Cervello was or Chris Nerthen were, or tennis players like Sean Buck was, or like power lifters and triathletes like myself, which is obviously a joke. Um, but what what would you what would you impart upon them in terms of like a recruiting pitch? Like for me, as a water polo player, holy cow, they played Cal earlier this year. Cal won the national title. So for me, my thought is, Come to the Naval Academy and play the very, very best there is when it comes to competition because it gets no better. And it gets no better not only on the fields of friendly strike, but in the hall as well. Do you have any kind of opinion on that or any sort of advice that you would give? Absolutely. So I, I think you've got to look at it in two, two, two areas. The
2: first is the competition piece. And you make a great point. Um, even today, uh, you have obviously this, in the sport of water polo, the the, the mecca or the, strong, the strongest part of of that culture is on the West coast of the United States and the universities on on the West coast. But those, those standout universities on the East coast always get a shot. And uh, in this case, I was sorry to see Navy not make it out for the NCAA finals. Uh, I had the pleasure of going out all four years that I was here. And it was a great way, not only because I was from California, to stay grounded in, you know, the West coast, competition pool of of water polo and all the guys that i played with coming up but also to, to get away from uh you know to travel and and to be able to come out here and we came out here a bunch but the competition is still there's still some great teams on the on the east coast i think it was fordham and princeton this year that went that went to the ncas those those teams are still strong they were strong when i was around and more teams you know some teams are really big out on the east and some teams are um, you know have a good year and then several bad years. Navy remains consistent. And it is, it is a top tier program. It's got a great future in the competition pool. And then that second part of of my answer is who you get to spend your time with and, and where, and that camaraderie. I looked at that team. I came to visit the team in October, uh, back in Annapolis. And I, I was just blown away. Number one, with 30 years removed, I look back and I'm looking at these faces and I'm like, nope, that's that's me. Uh, that's the other guy I was friends with. That's that guy. You know, I mean, you can see in the faces of these kids exactly that, you know, what what I loved about being there and playing with that camaraderie, um, esprit de corps. And like it, these kids are way bigger and fitter than we were. Uh, I mean, they their training regimen is so high, high-end. Uh, I it's it is between the competition you get in that world. And what you get with your teammates, um, it's peerless. I don't see it anywhere else in, in, uh, in other university athletics.
0: Hey, Jason, I'm going to piggyback on that. And uh, we're, we're getting sort of towards the end of our time. But I, I think that that's what's so cool about this week across the country, right? I mean, we have transcended. Um, even just the Army-Navy community. Uh, and certainly, I think we've transcended even the game on CBS. I mean, as I travel around, everybody knows this is Army Week. I mean, it was mentioned on the Cowboys Sunday night game when they showed uh, Roger Stahlback. Um, you, you know, the announcers talked about Army-Navy Week. I mean, I'm in D.C. this week. Uh, you run into people. They they know that it's Army-Navy Week. I mean, this is an opportunity, even if it's only one week a year, for the rest of the country to think about a lot of the things that you just said in, in terms of what that competition means, what the caliber of men and women that the two schools have Uh, And and what they offer the country. So uh, it's a cool way, I think, to, you know, you lived it for four years and then throughout a career as a number of us did. But it's a cool week. uh, And I am geeking out. Uh, You know, this is the one week a year where it it is really, really cool to be able to share this experience,
1: um, you know, outside of just the traditional audiences. Well, no, that, that actually brought me to my final question for Jason, which was going to be, what is your favorite Army-Navy memory? For me, you know, as a non-graduate, my favorite memory every year now, and this is going to sound like a total sellout answer, is the CBS intro. They have gotten better every single year. Every year, it brings me to tears. Every year, it makes me feel special. But every year, as a communicator, it makes me feel, to Chris's point, like the brand has really taken hold. And so what we're talking about on this podcast, this isn't bullshit. This is like the real deal. And and to watch it so very well portrayed by CBS uh, is, is my favorite memory. So for you, Jason, what is yours?
2: I, so I, I'm, I'm going to cop out a little bit too, but I think this is an important way to look at it. Is it, you know, the four years that I was there, I remember going to the game. I don't have a ton of great memories of it. I mean, we, we, I think we split, we won two and lost two, but let me explain to where the most impactful memories of the army Navy game come from being deployed. I was in Indonesia and I was watching it in a, in, you know, one December, I was in the Gulf uh, twice watching it from a, from a ship. I mean, I was on the ground in, um, Kuwait watching it. I mean, we've, we've, I have watched the Army Navy game and the places that I've watched it far flung have been way more impactful to me than, than watching it, uh, even in, in person. Now, I, I don't, I know that's that, that the reason that I'm able to do that and why I think it's so important is because the people that are around me, yeah, sure, there's usually grads, but it's not always grads. It's, it's, it's sailors. And I, I know that people, there's a lot of, I've seen in the every, every year there's, Somebody kvetching about how, you know, the Navy is not about Army, Navy or the Army. I, I always look to that and be like, yeah, well, you could be from some place in Alabama and love Alabama, but like you could spend your life in the Navy or in the Army and like and not feel some affinity for the Army or the Navy, the universities of uh, that, that produce people in those communities. I mean, I can understand why people have some disdain for it, but I'm also like, why not uh, be a fan of
1: Army, Navy? Why not indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jason Salata, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm not even going to ask you for your prediction because I know you're predicting Navy, as you should. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put more information about uh, iDrive Warships on our social media channels as this pod comes out, but expect to see more of it from Sing Second Sports as we are fans of iDrive Warships. We're going to go to break, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, we're going to talk to the author, singer, and... I really producer of what I think is the best spirit spot so far uh, this army Navy season, Chris Nervin with don't give up the ship. This is sing second sports stick with us. We'll be right back. All right. Sing second fans, a few announcements
0: from our friends at the Naval Academy athletic association, Navy women's basketball returns to alumni hall Friday, December 30th, as it opens conference play with a 1 PM matchup versus Boston university. Be sure to come out and support the midshipmen as they close out the 2022 calendar year with one more home contest. Speaking of women's basketball, we will be hanging Navy women's basketball legend Jade Geif's jersey from the rafters on January 14th. The contest will feature the midshipmen taking on the Loyola Greyhounds. Don't miss your chance to help us honor Jade this January. For tickets, call 1 800 US 4 Navy. Or visit Navy Now back to the pot. Runs
4: for the wrestlers out at sea on the night watching the ocean deep beneath. And this one's for the boy they need for speed. Cutting through the clouds, diving down on the enemy.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on St Second Sports, and that amazing song you heard as we came out of break was authored and sung by Chris then a friend of the pod, been on the pod before. If you've been to a home game this year, you might have heard Baydale, one of my favorite songs, being played uh, on the uh, loudspeakers. But Chris, welcome back to the podcast, number one. Number two... Hats off to you. What a great song, number one. It absolutely gave me chills. The Spirit Spot is amazing. Walk us through a little bit of the inspiration for it.
4: Well, thank you for having me. Uh, it really is a pleasure to be back and an honor to be around some uh, some great naval officers and uh, alumni. Well, yeah, we were doing the Spirit Spot with the soup um, for Air Force a while back. I don't know if you ever caught that one where you hop in a convertible, we burn out um it was in that moment i remember sitting filming and i was like posting up by the on the street and uh, waiting for the for my take and i was strumming this pattern and i started singing we won't give up the ship because i started immediately thinking i got to put something together for army navy now that we've kind of made this uh introduction with each other and so the song came to me in that moment i remember that and i just looked at sophie loomis who is also a producer of this whole thing i said hey uh just so you know it, I don't know if I can pull this off, but I'm going to try and write a song and put produce it together and get it all put up. And we're going to do a spirit spot for Army Navy. She's like, yeah, I'm down. And then it just all worked out really well. So years ago, when I was a junior, a, a second class, uh, I used to tell my company mates, we'd go and have literally make open mics at Smoke Hall. That was like a real thing. That's why we went back to Smoke Hall to film it there. Because uh, I need to find the footage. It's on Facebook somewhere of, of me doing. I remember singing Ho oh, Hey." a Lumineer song and that was when it was like just coming out so it was a jam and uh we I remember going to open mics it was a thing in smoke calls so um it just came to me I just thought about this definitely plays to my strengths and I think I also thought what well, can be just outrageous as well and well how can we how can we hound on some army cadets so all that came together by putting an electric guitar and a bass guitar in the soup and don's hands and the CMC on you know, the drums and then uh we just obviously it was a easy uh, low-hanging fruit to have the army cadets sing you know doing some spoken word in in front so the script came together just like naturally um and yeah it came out exactly how I envisioned it so it just has been really fun to see it all come together
1: well Chris as number one a fan of your music I I absolutely loved that there was a new drop so to speak and um and and I, I just love the way that spirit spots in the past, and I've been a part of this, I've made them. I I have I have executed the making of spirit spots. And this one had a different feel in that it tugged at the heartstrings a little bit. And and I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. For for you, hearkening back to not only your you know your abilities as an artist and a musician, but your time at the Naval Academy how did you kind of navigate, you know, that, that crevasse of, Hey, do we make a spirit spot like goofy and, and, yeah, you know, tongue in cheek and off the cuff, or do we actually produce a really meaningful song with incredible B roll that I know you and Sophie put together just these shots that, that give you goosebumps. How, how did you navigate that? Cause I'm sure a little bit of you wanted to do like the juvenile, like tongue in cheek spot too.
4: Well, I, I really appreciate all the compliments and, I'll tell you that you're kind of hitting it, how I am as an artist and how I approach my work. And it's with, I love to have layers to my songs and I want you, I want you to have the hook. I want the melody there to draw you in, but also want you to like it so much that it sticks in your head. You want to come back and listen to it. And when you come back to listen to it two or three more times, you're like, damn, this is a serious song. So I think that is always my goal. And when you try to, you know, you don't want to write for a spirit spot. I want to write a, a, a song that meant a lot to me about literally don't giving up the ship. And I still get chills just thinking about the lyrics and, and where I had to go to in my head and heart to, to write that. And so, and then I always just want to, I always want to give off. I don't want to take us too seriously at the same time. So it's a serious song, but I, obviously we want to come to it with great positivity and great celebration. And that's how we bring in that comical touch to it. And then I also think what's important is like um you, you there's a fine line between being too silly or too goofy, like you're saying, I thought um, we just let we just let it come to life on its own. You know, it's it's comical enough having the top brass of the uh, Naval Academy rocking out in an open mic. So, like, we don't have to go further than that. That says all it needs to say. And so I think a good song starting with a good product is where we where my head was at and then it just kind of it was just easy to work with and and
1: and came together after that hey chris before wags asked his question go ahead and make the comment that you were making about a particular bass player in this video it's absolutely seinfeld uh, priceless I, no i mean chris it was comical in that it looks like
0: the commandant god love him has never seen a musical instrument in his life. I mean, if he was a Martian and landed on the earth and the first thing you gave him was a bass guitar, I'm not sure he could look any more awkward than, than he does. And I think the world of the Commandant. So that's that's only meant to reinforce your layers. I mean, it, yeah. it is funny, right? I mean, I would say you guys accomplished n- the layers, not just in the song, which I can't get out of my head. My ki- My kids have been singing because oh, we got an early version. But um, the the spirit spot video has so many cool layers to it. So you guys <laughs> killed it. Th- this is now my favorite spirit spot. No, no
1: offense to Rylan awesome. Tui and
0: you know all those others, but th- this is one that will will stick with me for a long time.
1: That yeah, I'm so, fun I'm fun. sorry to say, NapTown Funk has been unseated. This is uh, wow. this is the uh, this is the new gold standard. Wow, that it's, is go
4: amazing. Ahead.
3: Thanks, guys. Well, Chris, I was curious. You know, how do you proceed with getting permission to a uh, a spirit spot. You had to come to the Naval Academy, do it on the yard. I mean, you have to go through some channels, and obviously, you know, you had to convince the Superintendent yeah. Admiral Buck and the Commandant of Midshipmen and the Depton to sit in and participate. I mean, may have been reluctant, as uh, you know, they're like you know Chris said, they're not entertainers by trade.
4: I think uh, you're you're making good points, and to Chris's point. Yeah. So the commandant may not know how to work a bass guitar, but I just, again, we all, and we all know this, our hats are off to these guys that just, you know, don't take themselves seriously and they're willing to make fools of them, not fools of themselves, but obviously like, you know, uh, act a fool in in the name of of army, Navy and and, and spirit. And so that I think was the, was how we led into this. And I think what also really helped um, was doing that air force spirit spot and making an introduction. This is a slow game. And this is just like business. And I luckily, uh, I leaned into the alumni association and, and it also happened naturally. We're getting the, the press out with the Sing Second podcast with the Baydale song, and we were getting some great press a, a few months ago. And so that led us into the Alumni Association, and they all reached out to me saying, Hey, we'd love to come, you know, work something out, collaborate on something. And then just great minds came together and we we made that spirit spot. So I think what really helps is the vetting from the alumni association. We have that direct in, you know, to the to the triad. And so, um, and then we just got to head with the Spirit Spot and Air Force worked out really well. I think if that didn't work out, we wouldn't be here right now. So that worked out well. And so it just kind of was a building block of trust and everything. But I'll tell you, we do still have to jump through uh, some hoops here. You know, we did have some different versions and whatnot that ended up having to go uh, into the vault just because it, you know, we had to, you know, um, everything had to get approved and whatnot, but it was... uh, it wasn't hard at all in the long run. I mean, like everyone was on board for it and had a great and just got a great response from it.
1: Well, uh, Chris, I can tell you from someone who has had Spirit Spots made and and had I've known that it's run the ragged edge of professionalism and then showed it to the soup and have them go, it really hit home. And I thought, you know, to continue this conversation a little bit, I really thought coming out after Army Spirit Spot, where they involved their leadership you know, really cute with the office scene and there's the Dean and they're making fun of how we have NASA on the helmets and, Oh, what's next? Like a, a helmet about the IRS or the fish and wildlife service, you know, like get mm. your shit straight guys. You know, like the, saying that right after Kayla Barron came down from space, Nicole Annapoo just went up. We've got the most astronauts there are and people love the uniform you know, like cute spirit spot, you know, where you're basically denigrating your sister service. And while you do a tiny bit of that, you know, with like the open mic kid who who can't really command any attention for Mm -hmm. you having played, having gone between the lines as a football player, Chris, but now someone who's, who's trying to entertain, where do your feelings on army kind of fall? Like, do you, You know, I I know that a lot of people just say, hey, we root for both of them unless they're playing each other. But for you, how do you feel?
4: No, I I don't want to sound cliche, but it's absolute respect. Um, How you doing, sir? Um, It's absolute respect for Army. They're a great football team, a great football program. And then you meet guys out in the fleet and and, in joint um, exercises and whatnot. And it's all good fun. I think think a, a good sense of humor knows how to maintain respect. You know, like in, you know, we can all poke at each other. And, and again, it comes back to not taking each other too seriously. And um, I think of all the service academies, Army was not one to be trashy, to be, uh, you know, just low class. The, the stage we're on in that game, is just so mutually amazing. You know, the feeling is so mutual that you can't be not be excited to to go out there and, and bump heads together. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're just happy
1: to be there. And I'll tell you what, someone who we're happy uh, to see and to have here is your lead guitarist, Chris. (laughs) Um, You know, so Eddie Vedder can't really do anything without Mike McCready, as everyone knows. And playing Mike McCready so well the other day on the Spirit Spot was Vice Admiral Sean Buck, the (laughs) superintendent of the Naval Academy. Admiral, so great to have you on with your lead singer, Chris Nerthen. I'm just going to ask you before we get into the Army-Navy X's and O's, and I know Wags has a couple of questions for you. What was it like to be a part of this spirit spot? Because dang, it looked fun. Hey, John, I'm, uh,
5: I'm running out of runway as a superintendent here. I've got about seven months left. And I've, I've begun to very deliberately think of whether I got a day job you know, next summer. And I think I may have just discovered my next calling, all motivated by Chris.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Admiral, I, uh, I loved it, you know, you, your uh, willingness to be a part of this, you know, and we, and we got your predecessor um, into a couple of spirit spots, you know, I, I remember the Star Wars one was super fun, you know, but for you, you know, you're, you're, like you said, you're about seven months away from bookending a career that started at that very place. Um, you know, back in, oh goodness, 1979, 1980. 1979. So so for you, this could, or is your last army Navy game as the superintendent. And you've got a great opportunity to participate in Chris's spirit spot, which shows your lighter side. Do you have a more nostalgic side, something that you're thinking of in terms of your army Navy memories and how you want this game to go as your last one?
5: John, uh, I, I was able to answer that this last Sunday as I walked out of chapel services um, you know, unannounced, I didn't know it was gonna come, this young female midshipman walked up to me, we walked out together and she said, sir, what's your favorite thing about an Army-Navy game? And you know, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't have any time to think and I immediately reacted and I said, it's singing second. That is my most favorite thing to do in an Army Navy game. And then all of a sudden the competitive juices come out in me, buddy, and I want to win. I cannot stand to lose. <laughs> um, so I have been, I have been through those some of those years where you know you have a really tough season, the, the win loss records not in our favor. and we go in there and we beat Army and it's a hell of a good feeling. So, as I as I conclude 44 years, I, I want to conclude at the top, with a win, singing second.
1: Great way to say it, sir. Wags, go ahead. Well, this hey, is Wags.
3: A, hey, Admiral, so good to see you, sir. Well, I'm curious what an Army-Navy day is like for the superintendent of the Naval Academy. You have a lot of responsibilities. Your presence is in demand at various places, and all you want to do is focus on the game and you know, really be able to put all your attention on, on every single play. I'm curious, you know, how the day proceeds for the soup and then where you are once the kickoff comes. I know you prefer to be on the sideline if you can.
5: Well, it, it kind of starts out like the players. I actually get butterflies. I, I wake up that Saturday morning with some butterflies and, and some, some good anxiety, that competitive you know, juices, I've, I've always known that the butterflies make you play better, make you perform better. Um, but I start out, I usually try to get a good solid breakfast because I'm going to be burning a lot of calories doing push-ups on the sidelines for all those Navy scores. Um, and then I get to go do uh, what what uh, Alana Garris introduced me to on my first Army-Navy game. I get to go do Radio Row. And I thought that was a blast. Um I didn't know what that was. I had never done anything like that back in the fall of 2019. And man, just slapping on slapping on a headset with a mic and sitting down and shooting the shit with a bunch of guys that are highly spirited, all about sports, all about America's game. I loved it. Um, so I'll do Radio Row. And then all of a sudden, I got to kind of put my superintendent hat on. I got to go host people who are, have high expectations of a of a really decent tailgater. And uh, we love to host in, in Grand Navy style in a warming room. And I kind of make my I make my appearance, I get a little chow, I fuel my engine, and then everybody begins to sense where the soup wants to be. And the soup wants to be down on the field. I wanna be down there and I before they before they play. I wanna I wanna watch Navy warm-up. I wanna watch them go back in the locker room. I wanna get an idea of their body language. Um, I want to see how much they're looking at each other and concentrating. And then I definitely want to be down on the field for all the pageantry. I love the march on. It just sends chills up my spine to watch the march on. I love to go over to CBS Sports and do their interview with them on television. That's fun. I love to see the flyover. And then, gentlemen, it's game time, baby. It is game time. And, And then don't bother me. Do not bother me on the sidelines. We're concentrating on football. Well, and there's nothing better, no greater honor for
3: a superintendent of the Naval Academy than when Navy wins and sings second. And then back in the locker room, the soup gets to address the team and give his congratulations. I bet that was a wonderful moment for you last year. It, it was,
5: Wags. I, uh, and, and, in the, and in the fall of 19, when we had that phenomenal 11-2 season, it's a real honor to be in there and to be given that opportunity from from Chet and from Kenny to allow me to 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 congratulate the team and, and show my own pride because I'm I'm a high vis guy at the yard those players know who I am and I I think they appreciate seeing the pride amongst all of us senior leaders. So yeah, it's uh I I look forward to walking in that locker room. It's a big de- it's a real big deal.
0: Admiral, it's Chris Cervello. Thank you very much for doing this. Um, We were talking earlier in the podcast that as cool as it is to experience Army Week um, as a midshipman, as a superintendent, to be at the game, it's almost as cool or cooler to get to share this week with the entire country. You mentioned it a little bit with Radio Row. I mean, this really is the week in which So many people outside of Army, West Point and, you know, Navy in Annapolis get to understand what our grads and the young men and women that are midshipmen go through. Can you talk a little bit about the national significance of this
5: week in this game? Well, in in tough times in this country, when we have so much divisiveness, uh, when we don't seem to be talking to each other as much as we should be and listening to one another, probably even more importantly than talking is listening I feel very proud to be part of this event in which we reassure our own citizens that everything's gonna be okay. That we've got two schools full of really fine young men and women. They're they're great citizens, they're patriots, they're good students. and, And in this particular event, they're great athletes. And we come together and we fight like hell against one another. But the best part is what America sees at the end of the game. No matter who wins or loses, we come together and we sing together, whether we sing first or sing second, we sing together. And and I'm proud that we reassure America that things are going to be all right. What I love about
1: how the game becomes more national and what it is right now is that it calls attention to what I've always thought is the Naval Academy's most redeeming value is that here you are on this podcast, you have Chris on who is about to be, in my in my opinion, an incredibly accomplished musician. You've got Kayla Barron, who's just come down from space. Nicole Annapu, who's just gone up. A recent Rhodes Scholar, the success athletically. What does it tell you? Mikey Sherrill just getting reelected, along with a bunch of other Naval Academy graduates serving our country in Congress. What, what does it say to you about the well-roundedness of this brand and and how great these graduates are. I mean, I know that you have a responsibility as the figurehead, as the superintendent, but as a grad, how proud does that make you?
5: Real proud. And it reassures me also as a citizen that patriotism in this country has not waned, not at all. Because when when you get to witness every day, the quality of these young men and women, the quality of their character, and the quality of their willingness to be part of something much bigger than themselves, they keep coming. John, they keep coming. We, we still get about 15,000 applicants a year wanting to do this. You know, West Point has probably close to an equivalent type of number. They want to keep coming. And, and once again, that's reassuring that we're going to be okay, that there's really good people across this country.
1: Absolutely agreed, sir. And I'll tell you what, Um, you've shown your leadership on a serious side, leading this amazing institution. You've shown your softer side and playing just a mean guitar with, with Chris Nerven on the, uh, on the video. And we thank you so much for supporting this podcast last year. You did it from a car driving up 95. You made a bold prediction and damn it, sir. That prediction came true. I'll give you the last word here. Saturday, army, Navy,
5: Philadelphia. Who's your winner? What happens? navy by 10 a clear cut navy by 10 no doubt you know we always we always know that it's a nail biter we we know that it's close the game's played with heart and passion uh you got to have a little divine intervention there sometimes like uh last year this time there's no doubt navy by 10.
1: ladies and gentlemen that is how we finish the sing second sports podcast during army week admiral buck thank you so much for admiral buck and chris nerthan and Chris Cervello, Bill Wagner, I am John Schofield. Thank you so much for being on, and Jason Salata, for that matter. How can I forget the other PAO? I am John Schofield. We're going to beat the hell out of Army on Saturday and sing Second. We're out. This one's for the zealous, clung to the creed.
4: Whose fight never dies and will never flee. For the brave, defending the free. And the devil dogs bringing in the
1: artillery.